Welcome to Too Old, Too New. My name is Bill Beer, and joining me tonight, we have a special guest in the house. Yes. From the Selling Out Show podcast, David Schultz. That's me, baby. How you doing, Bill? Good. How you doing this evening? I am peachy, and I like how you say nighttime and evening, because if you're listening uh, during the morning, you just don't know what the hell is going on anymore. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) That is true. So, tell us a little bit about your podcast there. My new show, huh, Bill? It's, uh, well, I'm turning 40, actually, this week, the uh, 18th, so everybody can send me a card or a gift, feel free. Uh, But anyway, so my whole thing was like, hey, man, what would my 40-year-old self say to my 18-year-old self? And I thought about that, and I went, boy, he... You know, I, I would think, what a stupid kid he was, and he would look back at me and just think I was an, a, a huge sellout. So... I started this show with my buddy Nate, and we're just kind of like, I don't know, talking our theories on life, stuff that we've learned, crazy experiences, and uh, just random stuff like that. Any kind of crazy stuff that flies out of this face. But it's a lot of fun. Very cool. Very cool. I enjoyed the first couple episodes. Um, I love to hear about those the stuff in the 80s, you know, 80s movies, that kind of thing. That's always interesting. Yeah, episode two is how to be a parent today with the media because, Bill, I'm sure you remember when you were a kid, what were you watching? Any kind of graphic stuff? Were you unsupervised? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. My grandparents had HBO, you Ooh. know. We didn't have HBO. And, you know, you would always... You spend the night over there, you, you, you watch one of these, you know, horror movies, Nightmare on Elm Street type uh-huh. of thing. And, yeah, there was, a, there was difference of Police Academy. There you go. And I, the, the first Police Academy well, was R-rated. Yeah, great so film. So it had some... But then yeah. that question begs, I beg the question, how old were your kids before you let them watch stuff like that? Oh. They... Ah, you see, what time is the right time? And that's what we debated or discussed on the show. It's a tricky question. And so if if anybody hasn't checked that out, that's still uh, available. Make sure you check that out on Twitter at Selling Out Show. So as always on Too Old, Too New, we do two old comic books, two new comic books every episode. Today we're going to start with our old books. And David... Since you're the Ooh. guest, you can go first. Great. I, uh, I, I, love, I love when I get to come on here because you just say, hey, man, pick whatever you want to talk about. And it's kind of great because there's so many classics I want to discuss. I, I think I even mentioned to you, oh, let's do a Metamorpho book. Or let's do a Silver, Silver Age book. Let's do this. Let's do that. And then recently um, I just moved to Texas and they have this uh, store called Half Price Books. I don't know if you've ever visited one, but it's great, man. I've been going there a lot lately. I've been picking up a lot of Superman books, and one of which is Action Comics number 661. And this is one I had when I was a kid, and I haven't read it since then. This is January 1991. And man, all these years being away from this story, I have forgotten how well-crafted and great this, this one-off issue truly is. Yes, and uh, I also read this book and had this book... And I followed these Supermans, you know, they, they have the triangle numbering. Yeah. 
I don't know what year they start, like 89, 90 or something mm-hmm. like that. I followed all these Superman books uh, with the triangle numbering. It is good stuff. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird because back then I didn't really care for him, to be honest with you. Superman was not a character <laughs> yeah. I was super into or, or really uh, emotionally vested in. But the older I get, the more I appreciate the stuff from when I was 12, 13, whatever the case may be, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you know, Bill, this one, just to let everybody know, is written by Roger Stern with art by Bob McClode. Would you say McClode or would you say McLeod? How would you say that? McClode. Okay. I'm guessing. All right. Brett Breeding. Uh, Bill Oakley was a letterer. Glenn Whitmore was a colorist. The editor was Mike Carlin. And right off the bat, this has got a great cover, man. There's someone just blowing up, and you got Plastic Man completely wrapped around the cover text, Superman reeling from the explosion. Plus, it had a pretty cool co- uh, corner box, which, if you remember, DC was dabbling with at the time. They're always known for, like, yeah. the, the, the bullet logo and the little ovals, like DC superstars. So, you know, late 80s, early 90s, when they had these little corner boxes, they were kind of nifty. But yeah, it's got an attractive cover, and I can see why, as a kid, you know, in, in the racks, I would have been like, ooh, let me check this out, you know? I always liked their cover logo. It was just plain and, and uh, you know, with the four stars, I, and they had it for so long. Mm-hmm. And I always liked the, the little character. You have, like, the Man of Steel up there bending a piece of metal. Right. Which is always cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I like, I don't know, for some reason I'm very nostalgic for everything, but sometimes the DC corner boxes, because what they have now, I don't care for. No, and they've experimented back and forth with different things over the last few years, but nothing that, that stands out like what No, they, they just put have. the insignia in the corner for whatever it is, you know? Yeah. So yeah. half the books yeah. have a Batman insignia on the corner, to be honest with you. Right. But... You know, just to tell the listeners a little bit about this book is I'm not going to go too deep into the story because I highly recommend people go check this out because it's probably in a quarter bin somewhere. This is not an expensive book. Nothing memorable happens here, okay? Just to let you know right off the bat, this is not a world-changing book. This is not grim and gritty and dark. No one dies a horrific death or anything like that. But something that I find that gets overlooked far too often is pacing. And I'll be addressing pacing, I, I think, with this one and the the new book that we'll be talking about later. But just to focus on that, this this is just a classic and clean story. I mentioned earlier, it's a one-off story. You don't need to know a lot going in. And when you leave the story, you don't need to take much baggage with you on the way out. That's wonderful, man. I miss that because, for me, that's a great read if you're 5 or if you're 50. You don't need to have an encyclopedia on Superman just to read this no, issue No, and of you don't comics. even need an introduction to who any of these characters are, really. You could go in here blind. And even, I'm not mm-hmm. the most familiar with, you know, Plastic Man's little sidekick. Yeah, Woozy Winks. I mean, I don't know oh, anything Woozy about Winks? him except he's a goofy-looking character and that sort of thing. But it flowed really nicely as far as... <laughs> and uh, co- talk about comedy in this book. I, it had me laughing out loud at some points. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm entertained easily. You like that, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Admit that to everybody right out of the gate. No, I mean, it was funny. There's some funny stuff in here. Again, it's just uh, they don't make them like this anymore. And I give Roger Stern a lot of credit. This is 
a master class on old school comic book storytelling where he introduces you right out right off the uh, jump here where uh, Jimmy Olsen is dropping a lady off at an airport or a girl rather I shouldn't say a lady he's not like an old lady or anything uh, he comes across the path of plastic man and woozy winks there's a, a mystery that starts Superman gets pulled into the mystery you get a little bit of action uh, like, like you just said a little bit of laughs uh, maybe a little dash of romance but this thing is packed to the gills with text and art. And that's another thing. There's no dead space being used in this book. You get your bang for your buck. And I didn't mention, but this was a uh, dollar cover price when it came out in January 1991. And, man, that, it's funny. When I do read Silver Age stuff or the older stuff, and I go, this thing, cover to cover, has more story than a whole arc of some of the stuff we buy now. I miss that. I really do. Yeah, and one of the things that I noticed is... You know, nowadays there's a lot of, you know, lost panels, me- meaning oh, yeah. story told between the panels. You get none of that here. Yeah, no, this is definitely not Tom King's Mr. Miracle, put it that way. We, you, you know, everything's left up to interpretation. Yeah. Do you think that happened? It's like the ending of Lost, the TV show, right? Everybody has their theory on what happened there. Th- this book, action number 661... The story is given to you, you have an open, you have the action, and then you have a close, you know? I, man, I just, I don't want to be like the old guy, the get-off-my-lawn guy, but I'm not I'm not kidding. It's just so hard to find comics crafted this way anymore. Well, I mean, yeah, classic yeah. crafted. Again, this is, this is largely forgettable where no yeah. one's going to, unless this was like your first comic book, no one's going to think back and go, oh, man, that Plastic Man issue of action Boy, that changed the comic book landscape forever. No, it, it, nothing like that. This book probably lined more hamster cages than anything else. And I understand why, you know, for that very reason. But still, if you just want to, like, let's say you got a kid, you want to introduce him to comics, a son, a daughter, whatever, or you just want to kick back on a Saturday night, uh, kick your shoes off and read a good, solid book and be entertained, this is the kind of material you want. And it's, it's a one-issue story. Exactly. Exactly. Now, even that being said, there's a few nuggets in here that you know carry through, right? That will yeah. carry on. But it's not uh, preachy. It's not in your face. It's not like, you've got to remember all this stuff. No, it's not even that at all. You pick it up in passing. And you know, oh, they're going to p- deal with this stuff with Lex Luthor later, right? You know? So, man, I just, I know I, I kind of picked this one on a whim. But after I bought it again, after all these years, it really just warmed my heart. And I'm just really impressed by Roger Stern, who in his own right is a legend in the field. The, the, how, the guy has touched so many titles, okay? He's been on every major book, and there's a reason why. He just knew how to write. And even then, the art was fantastic as well. For some people who might have read some old Plastic Man, you might notice his world is very uh, cartoony and the way it was depicted. And even here, McClode, when he draws it, when you're in Metropolis, it's modern day. But when they do some flashbacks to Plastic Man in his office as a detective, it's back to that cartoony style. There's a guy who walks in who just got riddled with bullet holes, and he comes in looking like Swiss cheese. You know? Yeah, and it looks like, you know, it looks like almost a different artist there. Yeah, but that's the great thing, is that it, it does look like a different artist, but it works so well. And what I would compare it to is like uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Exactly. Right? Where you got your reality mixed with, with fantasy. That's what this kind of reminds me of as well. Yeah, and you have your woozy winks. He has dollar signs in his eyes and, you know. Yeah, exactly. 
You like the woozy, I, I don't like you? I like the woozy. Yeah. You just found a new pal, didn't you? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but, Bill, you know what? I, I threw this uh, issue at you last minute. Did you enjoy it? Did I you did. really like it? I really liked it. Uh, and, you know, some of these characters, you know, are like this Mannheim. He shows up mm-hmm. throughout the Superman series as a villain. And there were some nuggets in there that I had forgotten. The other one is the guy at the bar. Bebo. Bebo, yes. Superman. Yeah, Superman. Yeah. You're always welcoming my boss, yeah, Superman. He was, he was a character that yeah. was always, you know, throughout the Superman comics of the 90s. Yeah, I've never cared for him too much. He's just too much of oh, a, a Popeye stereotype for me. <laughs> nah, I just... Listen, he's okay, and I can take him in small doses, but you don't really don't want to see no, Bibbo no. saving the day. Yeah. You know, oh, here he is. You know, so, yeah, but but in this one, yeah, he bought a bar because he won the lottery, and uh, it fits in the story because he comes comes across the the path of Plastic Man and and uh, Woozy, and that's some of the comedy you were talking about because they end up drinking together, which is uh, kind of funny. But yeah, overall, I can I give or take on that. And this for me. villain. What's his name? The the super time bomb. Time bomb. Yeah, he, time he has bomb. a little uh, clock type device on his costume. Mm-hmm. Classic. Yeah, he's. He, listen, that's the other thing, man. If you're a kid, how how much cooler of a power is that? This guy just blows himself up and can uh, reassemble, and he just blows himself up again. Simple, right? Pretty cool. What's cooler than that? Yeah. Blowing yourself up and being able to reassemble. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. That's so cool. I, like a kid now, you'd be like, what What kind of power would you like? Uh, you want to fly? You want to do this? As an older person, you might think, oh, I'd love to read minds, right? I'd love to control somebody. But as a kid, you're just like, I want to blow stuff up. That's it. I want to punch stuff. So, yeah, Time Bomb would be a, a perfect villain or perfect baddie for the uh, inner child in all of us. And really, I uh, a few weeks ago, we read a Brave and a Bold issue with Plastic Man. And mm-hmm. it's the same characterization in that Brave and the Bold with Plastic Man that you see here. He acts the same way, does the same goofy stuff. It's kind of right. neat to see that, 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 you know, a character acting the same way all these years later. There's some continuity there, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So some good stuff. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say about it. Again, I don't want to go too far into the story. I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Uh, because, again, you can this can be had for cheap. I'm not recommending you go read something that's going to be uh, at the comic book shop and they're going to want 25 bucks for it or something. This is pocket change, you know? So if you find it, definitely grab it. You and probably even your whole family will like it. Well, I have to admit something to you. Sure. I was looking at this... And my wife read a few panels, and she was uh-huh. actually entertained, slightly entertained. <laughs> See that? I speak because the truth. Because she liked these goofy That's what I'm characters. Here for. You know, only the first yeah, couple pages right. of the beginning, and it's like, yeah, all ages. Exactly, exactly. That's something... Another thing that's hard to find, and again, I will bring up later when we talk about our new books... But this is definitely an all-ages book, and uh, I can appreciate that now, being a dad myself. Yep, absolutely. There's not a lot currently that you could pick up and say, hey, look, give this to your kid. No, no, there isn't. 
You're right. It, and uh, lately, I don't want to like totally change the topic here, but I'm super into the the Marvel True Believer reprints for kids because uh, those are only like a dollar, so the kids can just right. trash them, and you're not like worried about it or whatever. But even then, you got to be a little a little weary on what they're reading. Um, but those have been generally pretty good. But any of the new stuff, for one, is too expensive, and then the other thing too is just it's just too adult. You can't let kids even read Batman anymore. You know? Yep. That is true. There's a lot of gore, a lot of blood, that sort of thing. That's right. So very good, very good. Let's get into my old book. What do you got, Bill? I have a good one. And we're going to go back to 1991 of February. Right on. I picked up this book originally. Uh, it's uh, the issue is actually Fantastic Four number three forty eight from February nineteen ninety one, and I was not a regular reader of the Fantastic Four, but this book just by its cover hooked me. It hooked me in. Gotcha, huh? Hook, line, and sinker. Because on this cover you have Ghost Rider, you have the Amazing mm-hmm. Spider Man, you have Wolverine, and you have the Hulk. And just not any Hulk, you have the Grey Hulk slash Joe Fixit. The best. The best, Bill. That's my favorite version of the Hulk. Absolutely. And this uh, issue is written by Walt Simonson, penciled by Art Adams, inks are by Art Thebert, letterer is Bill Oakley, mm-hmm. and colors are Steve Bucciolato. And getting back to this this Arthur Adams, who doesn't do a lot of mainstream work anymore, this had me hooked. This is the reason I love this book. He's the best. Is, He's the oh absolute best. If you look at his art and, you know, comparison to the Jim Lees and, and that sort of thing, you see where they, they got their style from. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned he doesn't do a lot of mainstream work now. He only does yeah. cover work. And I'm not the kind of guy who gets into variant covers and stuff, but he's he's that one artist, man, that just the art is so juicy. It's so good. You almost want to buy the variant just to have that image, you know, because he – a legend, unbelievable legend. And I'm going to tell you this right now, and uh, nobody – I mean nobody does a better scroll than Arthur Adams. He – he does a lot of characters outstanding, right? A lot of great, great drawings of all your favorites. His Hulk is knockout. Everything is great. But those scrolls, the best. Yeah, the scrolls are fantastic. The Mole Man who's in this book oh. is fantastic. That might be the, my favorite, you know, Mole Man version. You know what he reminds me of here? The Penguin. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, the long beak, you know, the long nose, the way uh, Adams draws him and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what else can you say? The guy's a legend. He's the best. For your money, let's say Batman tomorrow, right? They said, Bill, pick any artist you want in the world to work on Batman. Who would you pick? Uh, This guy. you pick Art Adams? No joke. I would, too. No joke. I would, too. And there's a new cat on the scene named Nick Bradshaw. I don't know if you've ever seen him. I heard have. of him? He, yeah, I yeah. He his style is so similar to Art Adams. I I hate doing it, but I always call him the new Art Adams. But if you ever get a chance to check out more of his work, that that kid, he's got a lot of talent too. 
Okay. Yeah. That's anyway, cool. back to your book. I'm sorry. I'm hijacking your no, uh, no, your back it's issue. It's all good. And this is a two part story. It's almost like a one and done issue because it's it, it's a story that you know you don't have to be reading Fantastic Four to jump right in and understand what's going on. You have four big characters that were in the Marvel universe right right now or back then, not right now. They basically take over being the Fantastic Four, and the Fantastic Four would do that from time to time. They would, like, insert certain members and say, hey, you're the Fantastic Four because the real Fantastic Four is disposed or occupied. But in this book, they're dead. Yeah. They're dead. Right. (laughs) But it's a really good story, too. Oh, Walt Simonson. I mean, I just gushed about Arthur Adams. What what else can you say about Walt Simonson? You know what I mean? Yeah. The guy, again, just we're dealing with legends here. Absolute legends. Whether it's writing or drawing or, or, or anything, he does. It's magic. And as you were talking about before, there's a lot of story in this book. Oh, yeah. Really. There's a lot of story. There isn't any wasted panels. You don't have to go between two panels, as we said, and figure out, okay... What's going on? Did something happen between these two panels? You know exactly what happened. You see the action. Yep. Mm -hmm. You see the action. And basically, the Mole Man has these monsters that are attacking different things. And, And an airplane gets attacked by a monster that looks like, I don't know, he's a giant ant or something. Yeah, he looks kind of funky, those giant eyeballs, yeah, right? Yeah, he looks ugly. And you have the Hulk jump in and, you know, Spider-Man do his thing. Wolverine's doing this thing. A lot of action in this book. I love seeing Ghost Rider in action. You don't see him enough, you know, as part of a team. And using his power, he uses his penis stare in here on one of the scrolls. It's just, I, I can't. And they're flying around, you know, they think the Fantastic Four is dead, so they have their little Wave Rider Fantastic Four vehicle that they're flying around in. And the Hulk's driving this baby, but the only reason I think he's driving is because he won't fit into any of the other seats, you know? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, right. Know what I'm saying? And there's a lot of banter going back, Spider-Man is exactly like Spider-Man you would think he would act. You know, all the characters are in character. These creators back then knew these characters inside and out. They would never bring in a story with these characters and you read the story and you're like, I don't... He's acting odd there. What's going on? You never saw that. No, continuity was king. Yeah. And actually, you know, Bill, another thing is, at that time, in the early 90s, it's not like today, where everything now is a what-if or an Elseworlds kind of story. You mentioned the FF would change uh, the, the roster around a little bit. You see She-Hulk in there, Crystal in there. But overall, the team, there was still like one member of the team in the team. Here you had three anti-heroes and Spider-Man. Yeah. You know? And that was radical at the time. You're like, whoa, here's a Fantastic Four with no original members of the Fantastic Four. And they're awesome. They're so badass, you know? Yeah, they are. 
So, like you said, that cover will grab you with the Hulk leaping at you and the rest of the team flying into the action. Wolverine with claws drawn. How cool is that? And, I mean, I guess it's a testament that this issue in particular, because you mentioned it's a two-issue arc, in which it is. But for completists, you might want to start with 347, 347, 348, 349, because at the end of 347 is when they introduce the whole new FF thing. Yeah, this this whole run is still – people collect it like crazy. You know, you're not going to find this in a in uh, in comparison to my Action Comics number six sixty one. You're not going to find this for a quarter in the bins. No, probably probably not. No, this is no, yeah, no. This is a hot ticket. This is definitely a hot ticket, and uh, I wonder why. I mean, the, the, everything's great. The story's great. The art is great. The concept is great. But even then, some of the stuff from the early '90s gets lost in the fray. But why did this one have the staying power? You know. Yeah, what was it? It was definitely the art. It's like, Bill, think about this. We're mm-hmm. both huge Justice League, uh, America, Justice League International fans from from this time period, from the late 80s. You remember there was uh, the J.M. J. Uh, DeMatteis. We had covered that, me and you, before yeah. on a, a different show. But why aren't those as revered as this? The art was great. The story is great. There's a lot of stuff going on. But why? The comedy, maybe? The comedy was there too. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I but don't this know. one is right. But that's what I, that's the thing. It's like what made this stick out, and it's just the radical idea that the FF is made up of these these four guys. The thing that I remember mostly in the eighties, I was in high school in the late eighties, and the biggest thing that I remember, it wasn't cool to be a DC fan. It was cool yeah. to love Marvel. It was cool to love you know the Uncanny X Men. You know, the Avengers, the Fantastic Four. It wasn't cool to be, like, a DC fan for whatever reason. And that's when the popularity, you know, was at a height there. Or at least it seemed as far as sales goes and that sort of thing. Well, I'm sad for you, Bill. Because at that point in the 80s, being a comics fan wasn't cool to begin with. So let alone you being in your click of comic book fans and them saying, (laughs) Ah, Bill, you know what? DC's not cool. You don't fit in with us either. No, no, no. Oh, that sucks. I always say ah. I love DC more. Yeah. <laughs> Get your butt kicked by comic book nerds, did you? Hey, it could have been Dungeons and Dragons. Not that there's True. anything wrong with that. But... No, yeah. Nothing. <laughs> 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 like, not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, that's taboo, that hey, D&D I'm, thing. I'm covering all bases there. You never know who's listening out here. True. You never know. This is true. Yeah. And as I always say... Every book you read, even if you hate it, it's always somebody's favorite. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. You know, this one is universally loved, but there's some out there that you know I care for that you don't and vice versa. And it's just a matter of taste and uh, everybody's entitled to their opinion. Yeah, we had a little discussion today over Twitter about I liked a book. You thought it was meh. Oh, yeah, Man you know? of Steel number three. Yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah. meh. Well, well, I said, yeah, back to Metropolis. Did you like that? I was going to put that on a t-shirt. Yeah, that was hilarious. This this book dragged it back to Metropolis. And the thing was, I know we're not talking about Man of Steel this episode, but I like I like this, the series, and I was very excited for Bendis coming on. But issue one was, eh, for me. Issue two was like, bing, bing, bing. We've got a winner here, folks. So I, I was like, let's keep it going. And three wasn't the worst thing I've ever read, but it came down a notch again. I said, "Uh, come on, you know, keep that momentum going. That was my only problem with that. 
But anyway, back to your Fantastic Four. <laughs> yes. So, I'm really, as again, I'm really not going to go into the story. You should really seek this out and read this story. It's pretty awesome. There's a couple scenes that, you know, Reed Richards is looking on his computer and he sees this monster carrying a, a space, a flying saucer. You know, something you see right out of the tabloids. Right. It's from the Inquirer, actually. Well, that was pretty funny. And yeah. The Inquirer's still around. I'm, uh, I suppose that's one of the books that you read regularly. You know, just back to the comedy real quick. There's a great part where it's uh, the Hulk is his foot stepped on by one of the monsters. Oh, yeah. You know, and... It's silly stuff. It's physical stuff. You know, insert Chevy Chase here. But it was funny. It was funny stuff. Yeah, that's for sure. So, yeah, I really enjoyed this book. I don't know. There's not too much else to say. There's, we're two for two on the back issues, man. Yeah. We we picked some winners right here. Yeah. That's of for course, sure. mine being the underdog because no one's ever heard of it before. Or anybody nowadays doesn't remember it. And you, you picked the golden child. The golden child. Yeah. <laughs> yep, love it. So, before we go into our new books, let's take a break right here, and we'll be right back. Night falls on the great halls of Frenzywood. Chris and Jerry read this week's comics with a sense of terror and foreboding. Which books will they enjoy, and which will unsettle them with an eerie mood striking into their very souls? They work their way through the rare and mysterious tomes to find those worthy of your attention. A knock comes to the door, bringing something strange and otherworldly that no one has ever seen before. It's the, the Professor, Professor Frenzy, Frenzy Show. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy Show. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy Show. If you like indie comics and also like podcasts, please try the Professor Frenzy Show. Find the show in iTunes search and Facebook. Episodes tweeted out on at Professor Frenzy on Twitter. Thank you. Justice League International. Blah ha ha podcast. A new monthly show chronicling the adventures of the JLI era by Keith Giffen and J.M. DeMatteis. We'll be going issue by issue, in release order, tackling the core Justice League title, Justice League Europe, and the quarterly book. Along the way, we'll take time out for special episodes covering various spin-offs, cartoon appearances, the infamous TV pilot, and much more. So join me in an ever-changing roster of guest hosts as we celebrate your favorite JLI members, such as... Martian Manhunter. Batman. Dr. Fate. Black Canary. Fire. Ice. Maxwell Lord. Oberon. Captain Marvel. Rocket Red. Captain Adam. Mr. Miracle. Guy Gardner. Booster Gold. Blue Beetle. Nort. And many, many more. Justice League International. Blah ha ha podcast. Part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Want to make something of it? Ah... After a long day of criminal activity, there's nothing I like better than to sit down and listen to the old radio. Wait a minute, that's not a radio, it's... Plastic Man! Plastic Man! Plastic Man! He's the 
That's right, it's the Plastic Cast, a brand new podcast dedicated to Plastic Man. I'm your host, Max Romero. Together, we'll be talking about Plastic Man in the Golden Age, the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, and every other age you can think of, right up to his upcoming reappearance in DC Rebirth. We'll also be talking about any Plastic Man news that might be coming up, and his appearances in every media from comics to cartoons. Makes me woozy just to think about it. I hope you'll join me to talk about the longest arm of the law here on the Plasticast, here on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Plastic Man! Plastic Man! Okay, now we're going to get into our new books. And David, what do you have for us? What do I have? I have The Immortal Hulk, number one, by Al Ewing and uh, Joe Bennett. I really I don't have it right in front of me right now, so I can't tell you who colored it or edited it. But who cares? Who cares? It's a Hulk. We're just happy that Banner is back. Yes, that's right? awesome. Awesome. It is awesome. It's incredible. Dun, 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 dun. See how I did that? I mean, you know, you know, I'm a diehard Hulk fan. Hulk got me into the game. I boy, I I can talk about the Hulk all day, every day. So. The moment they announced this book and they told me Amadeus Cho was off the main title, I was all in. Unfortunately, uh, once buying this book, it's visually very good to look at. I think I mentioned earlier I was going to talk about pacing again. I think the pacing is very good. I just think the dialogue is utter rubbish. Really bad. I, I It's just not believable. It's just not... It doesn't flow. I find it clunky. And uh, I don't know what Al Ewing is thinking. I'm not overly familiar with his work. I read a little bit of the Avengers Surrender stuff, especially when they, they put Banner back into it towards the end there. But, uh, yeah. The horror aspect, which is played out very heavy here, has been done before. Most notably during Bruce Jones's run. I don't know if you ever had an opportunity to read any of that. Yes, I, re- uh, I read that whole run. Of yeah, Bruce okay. Yeah. And if you notice, that it had a little espionage feel. And for people who might be familiar with the Edward Norton Hulk movie, a lot of the stuff from Jones's run was put into that. You know, the Mr. Blue, uh, what have you. But he also did some really kind of psychological horror, uh, switching up the Absorbing Man a little bit, which is actually I, I found very cool. I liked his run overall. And this has hints of it where they're trying to say, we want to make the Hulk a little scary again. He only comes out at night. Banner, frankly, can't die. And we see that here where Banner is shot and killed. But in the morgue, he rises as the Incredible Hulk out to seek revenge for the murderer. And uh, that's when everything kind of got crappy for me. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I know this is a a brand new take. I'm not familiar with Al Ewing stuff at all. If I've read, uh, I did read some of that Avengers stuff, but I know he was on there with several different writers. Yeah, it was like 10 different writers on that book. Who can keep track? I see what you're saying about the dialogue. The dialogue Mm. for when the Hulk actually talks is a little strange to me. Uh Uh-huh. It is strange. Like the real story, I don't know if it could consistently, you know, flow in that direction as far as the series goes. You you need the 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 ongoing theme, you know. He di- I don't think he's going to die every issue. Wouldn't make a lot of sense to me. 
I don't know. No, I I think that that's like the second hand to just that he comes out at night. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I've I've heard people say, well, the Hulk has a new power in this book. Did you hear about his new power? And that he can sense out liars or smell liars. And I didn't really feel that that was a new power. New no, it's just crappy dialogue. No, no yeah, that's. Yeah. And that's the thing here is that the idea isn't bad, the concept isn't bad, the art is fantastic. It's just the the, the guy the guy's script, this Ewing guy, just can't write human beings. And with the Hulk's personality, I don't mind it. You just mentioned that to me. That's Joe Fix it. I'm like, well, he's he's kind of a, a tough guy, right? So for me, he should be gray. He shouldn't even be green in this. But who knows? Because as, being a Hulk fan, as long as I've been a Hulk fan, you've seen these. Being a, a lifelong Hulk fan, you've seen so many of these versions mixed in with each other, mix and match a, of whatever. There's been times when, you know, the Hulk's been smart, been stupid. He's been, you know, mean, nasty, whatever the case may be. So I can see why he's he's green and everything. But it, maybe they'll play out that Joe Fix-It angle. I don't know. I ho- I'd like to see that. Yeah, I'd like to see where this goes, you know? that. Uh- what I wanted back, I wanted Bruce Banner back. I wanted the Hulk back. I'm not saying that I wanted a certain direction. I was looking for maybe a fresh direction. This seems like a fresh and new direction. It was it a perfect first issue. It wasn't a perfect first issue. There were things in it that I liked more than others. The Hulk is super creepy in a couple of these panels. You know what I mean? With his little smile that... <laughs> Yeah, there oh, again, he, the art is fantastic. Yeah, before he beats the guy to a pulp. And... and that's the other thing. I have no problem with him uh, beating a, a kid half to death because the kid did something terribly wrong. But and this is going to be weird coming out of my face. And maybe you can appreciate it since you have a family-friendly show. But there's a swear in this book. And to me, I was like, I don't know if that's appropriate for a Hulk book. You know? Yep. And it was just in one panel. Mm-hmm. It threw me off. It really did. I was like, hey, why'd they have to do that? It wasn't even necessary. It wasn't even like, I don't know, it didn't fit the, the narrative that was going on. It's just like, oh, well, let's just swear to show everybody that this is uh, an adult title. You know? And I It just didn't fit. Unnecessary. Yeah, I think that, that that's why it was thrown in there, because it... You know, at the beginning, it was a little bit more graphic there, and then we needed to throw something something in there just to, to be more adult. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's already murder going on, there's already resurrection and all this, this other stuff, so I think it's implied this isn't exactly for the kiddos out there, but still, did you really need to, to I don't know. And again, it's weird for me to say that, because I swear like a sailor uh, in my own personal life, but... To see it in, an, in a Hulk book, I know it's the Immortal Hulk, not the Incredible Hulk, but it rubbed me the wrong way. It's almost like seeing, you know, different characters. You're not going to see certain characters swear at all. You're just not going to see that depending on who they are. And then you're going to have characters like, you know, Wolverine and or somebody like that that's going to be swearing a lot. Yeah, would you see Captain America dropping F-bombs? No, you're not going to see No, of course that. not. No. And you know what? Would I mind? Captain America dropping F-bombs? Not necessarily if it fit the story, if it made sense, you know? If he was high on ice 
And he was going crazy again, mixed with his super soldier serum, like happened way back when. Or brought to the brink or something. So, yeah. Anything, Bill. Really anything. This was just like, oh, let's just insert a, a swear here to to use a swear. And that, to me, was just stupid. It's not – it's ridiculous. So, you know what? I'm going to wait to see where this goes. Again, you got me the moment you say Banner is back. The art is beautiful. The writing – Again, just a dialogue bug me. The other thing that I find irritating is I don't know if you're up to speed what's happening with this guy on Twitter, but he's blocking like everybody. Have you seen that? Yes, I have seen that. I don't know really what the behind the scenes is, but he I follow him personally and he seems to be very giddy about it. Like, haha, I blocked 15 people today. And listen, again, I don't know. Maybe they insulted him. Maybe they didn't. I've heard people claim that he's just blocking to block. But for me, if you're, you know, working on a book like this and you're trying to appeal to your fans and interact with your fans, that's what social media is for. You shouldn't be out there doing a jig saying that you're blocking everybody under the sun. Yeah, it's a little odd. I am personally blocked, but my podcast Twitter handle oh, you are? is not. Yeah, I'm blocked. He blocked you. For what? I don't know. You don't know? Oh, wow. No. I, I have a victim right here in front of me. No, don't have any idea. Just randomly, he just said, I don't like this Bill Beer cat. It's like, he I heard that he has, there's like a block bot or something, and you sign up for it, and it just, you you say you have like a, a subject or something, and you put in, and it blocks all those people. I couldn't imagine uh, what you'd be talking about that would warrant a block. No. Dan I, Marino? Maybe he hates Dan Marino. I don't know. Or, or my uh, distaste of... Batman as of lately, would that got me a block? <laughs> yeah, he's a big pal of Tom King. I don't know, man. I really don't because uh, I swear I, I say terrible things about comic books on Twitter, on uh, my personal at Lava Hog account. I mean, and I'm not blocked, so. And I mean, I, I, from time to time, shout out a book and say, hey, I really enjoyed this book. And most of the times I do that, I'll at somebody that's on the creative team the book just to say hey i appreciate w- what you did on this book or the hard work you put in this book but even uh, if i wanted to do that i wouldn't be able to and there's really no reason behind that i mean i've never well let's see if he, if he can block the podcast next because al ewing your dialogue stinks you hear me it stinks go back to dialogue class that is from at Lava Hog on Twitter. Yep. Yep. Sign it. Send it. Read it. Weep. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you know, I, I don't get it because if I work on something, you know I do reviews, right? Yep. If someone doesn't like my review, big whoop, okay? I move on with my day. It's it's not for everybody. That's fine. I just can just be honest and, and that's all I can do. So I'm not going to go block somebody unless they're like threatening me or super nasty to me and have no reason or logic, then yeah, maybe I block you or ban you or whatever, the, whatever. But if you get a bot, just like, oh yeah, I got an algorithm that says if you've ever said booger, you're blocked. I don't get it. I don't, I, you're a creator. You want people to enjoy what you produce. That is your livelihood. What are you doing? Are you an idiot, man? That's what I'm, I'm questioning. I'm curious so. if he goes to cons. Cause, 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 I can only imagine what people are going to, you know, come up yeah. to him and say because there's apparently an awful lot of people that's been blocked. What'd you block me for, Al? Huh? Al? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> 
I really, I don't, I can't begin to tell you. To me, it's mind boggling. Mind boggling. Why would a creator who relies on fans block fans? I don't get it. But I'll tell you what, right now, is to turn off as a reader of the Hulk. And I know social media, social media ruins everything. It really does. It's like these creators, you don't want to know their politics. You don't want to know what they do with their personal lives, what they eat, how many kids they have. Because once you get into that stuff, you might find something you don't like, you know? And that, that destroys that whole, that wall that you have where you just only appreciate them for the art. It's like the whole thing with Ethan Van Skyver, right? You don't like the guy's politics. So now you can't read Green Lantern. It's like social media caused all this. That's what it was. That's what it is. And now you got this guy willingly just trying to alienate fans. I, I, I mind blown. Can't explain it. And, and some people are taking this personally. I see online, you know, they're like, oh, I'm boycotting this book. Anything he ever does, I'm boycotting it forever. I don't really have that feeling because no, I, I didn't I really can't. do anything to him. He doesn't have anything against me personally because he doesn't know me from Adam. Yeah. Well, I mean, all this stuff aside, his book, this this was not the debut I was looking for, unfortunately. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. Sorry to take you back to Metropolis here. Yeah, it, it, I'm going to continue reading. I'm going to stick with it, but it has to improve. It has to get better. It really does. And you mentioned earlier, you know, how long will this last? How long will this whole uh, him dying or him turning at night last? It's Marvel. Six issues. That's how long it's going to last. After that, they'll they'll look at it and go, well, is it selling or is it isn't selling? Let's change creative teams. Oh, let's just change creative teams anyway. Because the book that you're about to talk about was wildly popular with the creative team that, that just had it, but they decided to shuffle people around. Yeah, they did do that. So do you want to talk about that? Yeah, let's get right into it. And my book is Doctor Strange number one, surprisingly. Ooh. Yes, baby. But it's Legacy Issue 391. And that's still I don't care on, for that. That's still on the cover. If you get a magnifying glass, you can see it. Exactly. It's like, what does it say? L-G-Y or L-G-C-Y? Yeah, legacy. The legacy numbering. You're only skipping, what, two letters out of the word? Yeah. <laughs> Why does it put right, legacy? Why are you going to yeah. take the... I don't, I don't, I don't know. Why not just have the number on there? I'm, I always like those numbers, you know, and... And, and starting at a number one every time you have a new creative team seems kind of crazy to me. You know it's really difficult sometimes is seeking out an issue of a book when there's like ten different, you know, restarts. And you're looking for a certain issue and it's like, okay... Is that, is that volume one, volume two, volume whatever, volume 16? Yeah. It's, 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 it's annoying. But uh, getting back it's to money. This, yeah. It's yeah. all about money, Bill. Yeah. And uh, again, not to hijack you, but Marvel used to do the thing where they had the numbering, but then when the new story arc, they'd be like, number one, a huge number one on the cover, and say, this is the beginning of the Green Goblin saga. Because kids would say, oh, wow, I get a Spider-Man number one. This is a collector's item. It's like, no, you actually got number 600 whatever, but number one of this arc. And I think people might have complained about that or it just stopped working. So like, well, now we get our relaunch the series every six months. Money, 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 money. Could be. 
Yeah, you like that? I just, I just crooned on your pod, Bill. Not many people get that. Yeah. Those sweet sounds of hey, uh, Schultzman. To, to cut that in, uh, yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Not cut it, cut it. Cut it and add it in somewhere else. There you go. This was Doctor Strange number one. It's written by Mark Wade. Your art is Jesus Sayas. Is that how you yeah, pronounce that? Yeah, Sayas. I always say Sayas. Letter mm-hmm. is VC's Corey Pettit. And as we said, Jason Aaron had done a run for several years on this Doctor Strange book previously, and I know they were taking him off to go. You know, greener pastures sort of thing, putting them on the Avengers book, that sort of thing. So, or they, even Bill, most recently, is Donny Cates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, yeah, Donny Cates. Donny Cates right. was on it after him, and that's when they went to the legacy numbering. And Donny Cates, it was good. It was really good. Very. I I was very entertained. I actually like. Both Jason Aaron's run and his run was very good. So I was a little skeptical picking up this book. After I read it, I really liked it. I really loved the artwork. This opening scene, I don't really want to... Well, I'll I'll spoil it a little bit. But you don't have to know anything about Doctor Strange. You don't need to know anything about anything about Doctor Strange, and it's for new readers, it's for old readers. If you've been reading the book, you're sort of rewarded for what's been happening, and, and you understand what, what's going on to a T, but if, you, if you've never read it before, you get a pretty good understanding. But this opening scene is actually a flashback, and the art in here is fantastic. Oh, the, really good, really oh, good. You say, you say, Jesus says to me, I'm sold. He did a run on a swamp thing that was phenomenal, man. Guy, he did the uh, Captain America stuff with uh, Nick Spencer. Just the guy, talented artist, man, unbelievably. And you know the great thing here, Bill? He draws, he inks, he colors, and I know it's all digital, but still, this is a the one man shop. Yeah, you know he what does I mean? it all. Oh, great, great stuff. And there's this one panel. Basically, there's a rip in reality, and these creatures are coming in to earth from another dimension or something like this and there's a big panel that's more than half the page that shows this rip in reality and oh my gosh that's fantastic yeah he, he stitches it back up because he's a surgeon yes yeah, so that's, that's what he does that's awesome it, it, super cool yeah mark wade i'm gonna tell you something right now i've never been a huge mark wade fan he's great Okay, listen, I, he's, he's uh, another guy who deserves so much respect. He knows more about comics than most people will ever know in their entire lifetimes. But I always wanted to smack him in the face because I would see him in Wizard Magazine's like top ten writers, and I just looked at him and go, that, that guy just needs a, a punch to the face. That's what he needs. I just want to smack him. And I say this on any podcast I guest on when we talk about Mark Wade, uh, I, talented dude, whatever, but the, the whole smackability thing has always been is in the back of my mind. So why is he smackable? I don't know. It's just a face. It's just a face. Do you ever have a celebrity or something you just want to give a good whack to? Like you just uh, see me. Who who's one of those? You got one? Give uh, it to me. Brad Pitt. Brad. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. You. But still, every time you see his face, you just want to give him a good. Yeah. I just, you know. Yeah. 
You have women Same at thing. work like falling over them, and it's like ah. still to this day. What are you, yeah, what are you working at? An I'm, old folks' home? <laughs> he's he's, he's looking not pretty that old. No, but he's looking pretty grim. I was in the doctor's office the other day, and I even looked down at a People magazine or whatever, and he's on it. I'm like, damn, Brad, you'd be getting old. You're looking old, man. Uh, people thought I was weird. I was talking to a magazine in the waiting room, but still, he's not he's not looking as good as he used to, you know. So, but yeah, some people just have that smack ability right out of the gate, and uh, Mark Wade is one of them. So, good writer. Just want to hit him. Yeah, there, there's some stuff that he's written that I'm like, meh. Yeah, meh. He's been on. around forever. Yeah, his Daredevil run for a couple years ago, it was like, it it was good, but it was just okay. Mm-hmm. To me, I know some people loved it. This, I, I'm more. Not a lot happens in this book, but I'm more interested to see where this goes. I'm interested in the story that's going to play out because in the in this issue loses. So basically, in this book, Stephen Strange loses his his magic. His magic is gone, and you've seen that over the previous, you know two creators that his magic was limited from a storyline early on and it starts getting weaker and weaker weaker it gets so weak here that you know nothing will work his, his house looks different his even his little cape is different it's just a normal yeah. cape he's starting to see normal things he goes and seeks out tony stark the iron man gives him some ideas how to give his magic back and I don't want to spoil it too much because it, it was just released and but I like the direction it's going as I said there's not a lot that happens but the the end of this I'm interested to see where it goes because it's it's a different type story because he's not going to use magic to get out of this I'm just curious No but this is a very solid setup issue Yeah like yeah. you said, not a lot happens, but I mean, just the whole the whole thing where it's like you, you mentioned a continuity counts here, which is rare. <laughs> for yeah. one, we were, I was just harping on that for whatever a half an hour ago, because he does recognize what's happened before. Yet here we are; he's losing his magic. Even his hands start shaking now because yeah. he, he's got nothing to keep that in check. He goes. You mentioned Tony Stark, but I don't want to be the guy ruining it either. But this is a great idea where Tony says, "Well, hey." The, the magic on Earth is gone, but is the magic everywhere gone? Why don't you look to the stars, buddy? That's cool. I, you know, I like that kind of stuff. I like it when you when you have a character that's not known for being in a certain realm or space, and literally, and uh, the writer says, well, let's try it. You know, let's throw the spaghetti against the wall and see what we can find. And it seems like Mark Wade has come up with a pretty nifty idea here. Yeah, absolutely. And when I first heard the, this idea, I said, oh, I don't know about this. Of course. But reading it, I'm like, yeah, in the art, oh my gosh, it it helps it out a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, the cover itself, he's got like the glass dome on his head. It's almost like old school science fiction. And so you look at it and go, why the hell does he even need that on his head? He's got magic because they show him wielding magic on the cover. Yeah. Right? What, is, what does he need that for? But it all makes sense when you actually read the issue. This is a uh, I, I like this more, and it pains me to say so, than Immortal Hulk number one. I probably do too. I, you know what the thing about the Immortal Hulk is? I wanted to love it. I wanted to love yeah, it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed boat. it. I enjoyed seeing the character. I'm like, yes, Bruce is back. I love seeing the character. 
but after reading it several times, it sort of sunk in a little bit. Uh, there was a part there that I really didn't care for. Uh, I didn't really like this. Here, this book, I read it several times, and it's like, I, I, I really can't find anything wrong with this first issue that, that bothers me. That's well, out it of seems place like you're implying me. it's a little slow to me. Just, just listening to you because you're like, there's not a lot that happens no, here. Not no, a lot. no, I don't think it's slow. I think if you're, you know, nowadays people want to read a story and they expect a beginning, a middle, and an end. They're okay. very impatient. They don't want a story to develop. They're like, oh, this is uh, nothing happened to this issue. I think a lot happens in this issue, but I'm saying to the average person that's that's like, oh, n- nothing happened. There wasn't even a story in it. There's a perfect setup, and this is a number one issue. This feels like a number one issue. This was a perfect setup for a number one issue. It was. It really was. And to, uh, you know, just like the back issues we were talking about, there's not a lot of dead space in this one either. No. This one that you really get your bang for your buck. I, I can appreciate that. Mark Wade put together a heck of a story. Says, again, holy mackerel, what a talented guy this is. This is, uh, and comics ain't cheap. They're not cheap. You know, you're paying five bucks for something, you want the value out of it, and it's, it's rare to find, and this one has it. And plus, I'm I, I'm desperately, uh, and plus, I'm just totally interested in where this is going to go. I'm hooked. It got me, baby. Yep. Reel me in. Reel me in, Wade, so I can smack you. <laughs> I can't get over that. I can't let it go. I mean, this has been years. I, that Wizard Magazine I read, it was like 20 years ago. I still want to hit the damn guy in the face. Sorry, Mark. Again, this guy, I'm telling you right now, you pick up a who's who from the late 80s, edited by Mark Wade. He knows more about this stuff than half you people out there. But uh, that's not going to stop me from uh, giving him a good old one-two. One-two. Speaking of the microphone. Mm-hmm. Pow! This opening scene where it shows, you know, his action when he has his magic. And when he gets his magic and his... You know, uh, Sayez, the way he draws that cape is just incredible. I'm just, I'm just, I could talk about this book all day. Yeah, the opening monster, everything. Yes. It's just, uh, and I'm sure, just incredible. You know, Wade scripted it that way. Uh, unique ways to use those abilities when he still had them, which is just uh, really good. And Doctor Strange, you, you said it, it's been good now for a while. It's been really good. Which is uh, odd, considering it has had three creative switches. I mean, we're just talking about writers, okay? Because the artists yeah. have been more than that, but still, in the last couple of years. And you, you'd almost feel like it's been the same guys behind the book the whole time. Because, amazingly so, Mark Wade still appreciates a little thing called continuity. And God bless him for it. And, yeah, so, cool, cool stuff. Like this. I'm buying it. I dig it. Love it. Awesome. Very awesome. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. You're ready to move up. If you'd like to join the podcast here, we are on Twitter. We're at Too Old Too New. I am at Gotham Knight 13. If you'd like to send us an email, 
We are two old two new podcast at gmail.com. We are on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. David, one one last thing. Is there any uh, anything else that you've been reading lately that you'd like to shout out that you've enjoyed or anything like that? Something I want to shout out. What is worthy of a shout out? Huh. Good question. I was going to say, The Man of Steel 2 was the last thing I read, and I was like, wow. Uh, Snagglepuss Chronicles has been really good. That just ended. Boy, 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 boy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm like going through my mind. What, what's been so great? Because uh, right now I'm so focused on back issues. I just love mm-hmm. hitting the bins. Well, it's been anything my passion. in the back issues that you got that. Metamorpho number five. Uh, Silver Age book has been great. Anything by Ramona Fredon has been fantastic. I like going back there. I love the smell of those books. Uh, again, I've been digging into the early 90s Superman. There's some fluff in there, but there's also a lot of great stories in there. Superman himself has been more appealing to me the older I get. Of course, anytime I see Swamp Thing, I buy Swamp Thing. That's one rule that everybody out there should adopt. See Swamp Thing, buy Swamp Thing. There you go. See Swamp Thing, buy Swamp Thing. Absolutely. I swear by it, buddy. Swear by it. Awesome. Awesome. So if you don't have anything else, we'll probably get out of here. Okay. See you later. I'm out. We will be back. That was my mock walking. I'm out. We will be back in two weeks. And in the meantime, keep reading those old and new comic books. We will see you later.